the power of the presence of Jesus. It's an absolute necessity that God's people have and maintain the presence of the Lord at all times in their lives. The heart of the church is grace. The heart of the church is mercy. And the heart of the church is love. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. He's the sacrifice for sin for all mankind. John the Baptist, a a revered prophet of the Jews, saw Jesus said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Lord, I hear the words of the Apostle Paul earnestly desiring, earnestly yearning. In this body, we groan. We groan at the pain. We, we, we groan at all of these things. But Lord, in our hearts, don't let us lose that joy. Don't let us lose that anticipation. We thank you. We, we're not looking for escape. This is not escapism. We're looking for that time, Lord, that we dwell in your presence where we will be with you eternally and be able to minister to you. I'm going to speak about heaven. Where's an amen here? Is that a good word or isn't it? We do know that the throne of God is there. And we know that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne. We know that multitudes are going to be there, which no man can number. We know that when we get there, we're going to be face to face with Jesus. And everyone there is going to have access, immediate access to Christ and the Father. And he prepares this place. And the Bible said the Lamb is there on his throne. He built a city. He established a paradise. And then he said to his bride, those who are in Christ and believe in this Lamb of God, come enter into the joys that await you. Folks, we have, we are not of this world. We're of another world. We are just passing through here. We can pray for sinners, we can intercede, but unless the Holy Spirit convicts a man, it's got to be very difficult to tell a man that all of his charity, all of his good works, all of this trying to do good is of no merit. It's commendable, it's wonderful that what you're doing is not going to save your soul. It's not by works. It's by faith in what Jesus did on the cross. Folks, I'm not telling you anything new. If you're a Christian, you know this. I'm reminding you. We can't take it for granted. Don't try to figure out eternity that God always was and always will be. There's no beginning. There's no end. You can lose your mind. Don't go there. But he tried to explain the limitness, and he said, Consider the earth as a ball of sand, 25,000 miles in diameter. And every year, 
a little bird comes every thousand years, brother. Every thousand years, a bird comes and takes away one grain, one grain of sand. And should he finish the job, eternity would have only started. Amazing. Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Glory be to God for his sacrifice. A simple message, but I was called by the Holy Spirit to remind you, congregation, that we serve the Lamb. Hello, and welcome to this special edition of TSC Music Radio's Music with a Mission. As we celebrate and remember, Pastor David Wilkerson.
What an amazing opportunity to have worked with Pastor David Wilkerson. I first met him in 1999 when I was serving at another church as music director and minister of youth. I would occasionally work on the weekends with the choir from Times Square Church as they went out to do uh, evangelistic services on the streets of New York City. Clearly, Pastor Dave's heart. And uh, I knew that these people came from good stock, from good leadership. But I had never come to the church. I would only meet them at the locations and would serve with them there. But I remember getting a call on a Tuesday night from the then music director, and he indicated that Pastor David wanted to meet with me. I came down on a Tuesday, and uh, we met in a room behind the platform, small room. He was preparing to preach, I I believe, and I was just visiting, coming for a meeting. had no agenda, no plans, no desires to do anything else but to uh, acquiesce, if you will, this request. And uh, his first statement to me as I sat down in the room was not, how well do you play or how long have you been playing or play something for me. Uh, His first question or his first statement to me was, how are you and the Lord and where are you with him? Nothing else. And it was such a contrast to what I was used to. Uh, And this is not an indictment on any other pastors or leadership that I've worked with, but this was just an amazing start to a wonderful relationship. I loved him from that moment because it provoked me. It provoked me to go even deeper and to remember and to realize even more why we do what we do. This is about serving Jesus. And I've watched him over the years. I've had a chance to travel with him and do crusades with him. And he's never taken any glory. Always reminds the congregation and reminds us in music ministry in particular that we are never to touch the glory of God or never to touch the credit. And so it's it's our desire to stay behind the message, the messenger to stay behind the message and allow the glory of God to be seen as we minister. One of my favorite memories of Pastor Dave was one time when he had a speaking engagement. Um, I happened to be sitting in the front with him, and the church where we were spe- where he was speaking, um, they did a big, elaborate introduction for him. And for those people who knew Pastor Dave, they knew that he does not like attention. He did not like attention to be drawn to him. He always wanted. The focus to be on Christ. And I remember at this particular church that they were talking about him and just everything that he had done in his life and his accomplishments. And they even unveiled a, a, a picture that someone had drawn of him. And you could see him sitting there, you know, very uncomfortable with all of the attention. And right before they announced him to come up on stage, I'll never forget this, but he leaned over to me and said, uh, before I before I get up and speak, uh, I want you to get up and sing, and I just want you to bring the attention back to Jesus. So it was just it was just such an amazing example and just a story that I'll never forget that I've been thinking about a lot lately. That to him he always wanted the focus to be on Jesus, and I'll, I'll never forget him leaning over and saying that. Just bring the focus back back to Jesus, and uh, so I did. I got up and I sang and. Um, Then when I was done, I sat down and he just got up and without any introduction, without any uh, pomp and circumstance, he just got up and just launched straight into talking about Christ and what he had done. And it was just such an amazing example for me. I'll never forget it. Let me just go down this list. 
There's going to be no sea there, the Bible says. That's in Revelation because Revelation 21 gives a glimpse into that eternal city of God coming down out of heaven. See, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Some think that it's just going to be purified by fire. God doesn't do this. It's going to be new. All things are going to be new. And he said there are going to be worlds without end. And, and so when Jesus ascended, he didn't go to the third heaven. He went, the Bible said he went beyond the heavens of heavens. He ascended to the Father. But see, the Bible says in Revelation 2, 21, 1, and there was no sea there. That means no more tsunamis, no more hurricanes, no more typhoons, no more hundreds of thousands dying from these uh, upheavals coming from the sea. Scientists are now predicting on the West Coast, or I mean, they're based there primarily, that the greatest threat from the sea is about to come. Secondly, there are no more handkerchiefs. No more tear glands. No more Kleenex. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Verse 4. No more funeral parlors. No more caskets. No more cemeteries. No more dying. And there shall be no death there. No SIDS, no sudden infant death syndromes, no more standing in front of caskets, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more mourning, because nobody dies. You die once, you get resurrected, you never die again. Now that should, you know that, but Paul said, remind yourself of it, and that's what we're doing this morning. Third, no more drugstores. No hospitals, no doctors, nurses, no more painkillers, no more ambulances, no more prescriptions. For there shall be no more pain. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase
uh, kind of fill in for a keyboard position. And I, Brother Dave asked me to, after the first Sunday, he comes to me in a very Brother Dave-like manner and said, hey, come and see me at the office on Tuesday. So I did and walked in. And uh, he was in a very relaxed mood and very fatherly, asked me, you know, but very straight to the point, what are you doing with your life? And I was kind of like taken a little bit by that. And I said, well, I, I met um, a girl in Finland. I think this is the one I'm going to marry. And he, he kind of said right away, he said, um, well, why don't you marry that girl and move here and start a youth choir for us? So it was a, it was a special moment, um, kind of a big turning point in my life. And that kind of solidified that we were I was coming back to U.S., but this time it would be with my wife, and I served there for the summer, and that, that fall we got married and moved, moved to New York, uh, uh, fall of... Uh, Dave as an encourager. If you would pass him in the hall at the church, he would often stop and just speak a little word, um, and it would change your whole day. It would brighten your whole day. He really listened to the Holy Spirit, and because of that, he knew how to encourage people. A few years ago, the music director here at the church, Greg Thomas, he gave us worship leaders a copy of a word that Pastor Dave had given to the music ministry way back in 1991. It was a three-page copy of a word, and I want to read a little bit to you. I quote Pastor Dave now. The prophecy came to me here tonight. Listen close. He that gives a cup of cold water in my name is going to be rewarded. A cup of cold water. I used to say, don't serve Jesus for the rewards. Just serve him for who he is. But I'm wrong. I'll tell you why. The scripture says, they that come to him must believe that he is, and they must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Pastor Dave went on to say, every time you come to sing Sunday morning, Sunday evening, every service, You have a cup of cold water in your hand, and you're giving it to this congregation. They drink of that refreshing water, and God said, I'm going to reward you. Secondly, those who are servants who were told to take those water pots and fill them with water that turned to wine when they served it at the wedding feast, that's exactly who you are. You're servants who are serving the best wine in the house, the best wine that God could ever create, and that's a worship that comes from giving your heart in holiness to him. When I read that, uh, that word that Pastor Dave gave way back in 1991, it did exactly what I'm sure it did for the choir back back then. It encouraged me. It provoked me to a higher standard of righteousness. And I just thank God for Pastor Dave. A fond memory for me with Pastor Dave is how he was saved, but he was also normal. You know, he he laughed when it was appropriate to laugh. He cried when it was appropriate to cry. Uh, you know, he loved young people. He did things with people in in um in you know his personal life behind the scenes that you nobody would really expect the pastor to do. You know, I I remember a time when we went over to uh, Helsinki, Finland to do pastor's crusades and we went out to eat after and uh, I remember you know just sitting down and 
everybody was just kind of like awestruck because, you know, the, the founding pastor of Times Square Church was sitting at the table, but he was just, just being normal and everybody, you know, it's just, they had such a reverence in a sense. And, you know, it was time to eat and he just wanted a cheeseburger and some fries and everybody was just sitting around just waiting to, you know, for a long prayer, just really deep. He bowed his head for, it wasn't even a minute. It was just a couple of seconds. He just thanked God for the burger and fries and started eating and left the rest of us behind while we were just being really deep and highly spiritual. I first came to Times Square Church in early 1996. I was leading worship elsewhere and without getting into a long story, I came to this church and I wrote a letter to Pastor Dave Wilkerson and he wrote back to me and he said, Dear Brother Stevens, I deeply appreciate your recent letter. It is encouraging to find men of God who share the burden of the Lord. May the Lord continue to stir your heart and to bless the work of your hands. God bless you, his bondservant, David Wilkerson. Well, it's 15 years later and the Lord has stirred my heart and he is blessing the work of my hands now that I'm involved with the music ministry here as a guitarist. Uh, In years past, I was in the choir and uh, Pastor David, again, was very encouraging. My first day in 2002, he uh, came over when I stepped down from the platform and he said, I see you there, and you know, God bless you and keep you. And even when we did annex rotations, certain members from the choir would, would go over to the other building. If he saw anything, and, and he had eyes <laughs> that saw everything, he would come over and encourage. And I remember once he put his hand out, palm up, and he told everyone who was going to the annex, put your hand in mine. And I was standing there too. And we did, and he prayed for us and just asked God to anoint us and comfort us and you know, let us be the the vessel of refreshing, the vessel of recovery as it is. Whereas perhaps before he prayed, some of us had wondered, you know, is it going to be the same over there? You know, what what will happen? I noticed uh, he liked uh, a lot of the really clear, simple worship songs, like He is Lord, you know, He is risen from the dead, He is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess, Jesus Christ is Lord. And he would even have the the congregation uh, sing it, Personally, you're my Lord. You know, he very gentle but very firm. And during the, the altar calls, he would, while everyone else is coming forward to the altar or we're getting ready and we're doing music, he would be praying and he would obtain the mind of God. And when it was time for him to speak, he would reach his fist out and that was it. You know, with authority, you knew that was time to stop the music. And he had a word from the Lord and he did. And the fruit of it's evident. So that's what I want to share that. He has blessed the work of my hands, Pastor David. We will see you in the sweet by and by. Why should I be bound With the troubles of this world Why should I be tossed With the temptations of life Why should I be afraid
Just Dave was uh, very instrumental in my life. Um, when I first came to Times Square Church, I had experienced uh, a lot of difficult uh, things. There were a lot of difficult things uh, that I had experienced in my life. And uh, he was just a personal friend. He, he uh, made sure uh, that uh, spiritually that I was okay. And then uh, also, too, he helped me uh, with practical matters, too, you know, just to make sure that I was okay. Um, I had, uh, when I first came to Times Square Church, uh, uh, then uh, I came off of uh, working as a traveling musician and and I was fully committed to serving the Lord with my musical gift. And so after a, a season of time and after he got to know me for a little bit, uh, he and the music director at the time offered me a position uh, working at the church. And so he was always uh, asking me how I was doing, making sure I was okay. And, and, uh, and he really looked after me. Uh, and Joined the ministry of High School Church. I didn't know much about uh, David Wilkerson other than, you know, from some of his books like The Cross and the Switchblade, but I didn't know him personally, never met him or seen him. And uh, I guess what struck me uh, over that year that I spent here during that time was his just incredible sensi sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And uh, I don't think he was uh, particularly... Uh, musically inclined but he had a sensitivity about being led by the Holy Spirit in worship and uh, you know if need to be he would uh, he would take the reins so to speak and uh, you know if he felt that the worship wasn't lifting up the people or it wasn't serving the purpose that it was for he would he would be there to, to help the worship leader and he was very sensitive to what he felt, you know, the direction that the Holy Spirit was taking the worship at any particular time, and that was really, that always impressed me very much. Well, when I moved to New York City, he was a very prominent figure in my life as far as my spiritual development and moving to a new city and a new place. And I remember having Tuesdays with Dave, I used to call him, personal times with Pastor Dave Wilkerson, where we talked about life, we talked about school, we talked about goals and things that I wanted to do in God uh, as I moved to the city. And he was very instrumental in directing me and guiding me and holding me to a standard of righteousness in the uh, entertainment industry and then also in my ministry with, with the church. So... Um, Pastor Dave was a guy who literally said it like it was, um, and held no and held no bars about it. So, I really appreciate his mentorship early in my life, um, towards my getting married as well. Um, he was very instrumental in um, in making sure that I moved into manhood and adulthood in a healthy way. So he will be sadly missed, and uh, he's definitely one of the fathers in the faith. The gates of that city
thought of Brother Dave dancing around the throne of God. I saw him dance on this platform one time. Quite unexpectedly. I don't even know what provoked it, really. I don't think in the natural he was a very good dancer, I have to be honest. But there was such a grace on him, he just suddenly left his seat and started to dance all over the platform and there was such a grace he was in another place and the first thought that came into my mind was this must be what it looked like when David was dancing behind the ark as the presence of God was going into Jerusalem I felt like I should join him but being very white very Canadian very (laughs) ex-cop I couldn't bring myself to do it But it wasn't my moment anyway. It was his moment. Pastor David noticed everything. He had an eagle's eye. One time my watch broke on Saturday night. And uh, I I need a watch to get through the service. And so I went down to Dwayne Reed's to buy a watch. And uh, they didn't have any, strangely enough. So it was 10.30 or so at night. And I'm thinking, where am I going to get a watch? As I was... Heading back by the church, there's a guy with a little table on the corner over here selling watches for $6. So I thought, well, I'll buy one of these. Not only did you get a watch, you got a hers watch, you got cufflinks, you got a tie. So I, I bought a watch, and I went home, and I thought, and it worked. I thought, well, it just needs to work for one day. So I wound it up, and then I thought, I'll, after the service, I'll give it to some kid, or I'll just get rid of it and buy a watch. And so I'm standing in my seat and I'm worshiping like this. And suddenly this voice right here says to me, where did you get that watch? (laughs) Now, we are in the middle of worship. I don't have a lot of time to explain. And Brother Dave, he he had a hard time hearing from his right ear. So I didn't know what to do. So I just leaned over and I said, I bought it from a guy on the corner last night. And then it was quiet for a while, we were worshiping, and and then this voice comes again and says, Don't we pay you enough? (laughs) I learned, I I stood, when when I first sat on the platform 17 years ago, the Holy Spirit told me, it was, I found a rather strange instruction, but he said to me, don't turn to the left hand, 
or to the right hand of everything that you're going to learn here. And don't turn this church in any other direction but the one that you're going to be taught. I remember telling Brother Dave that. I found it, I didn't fully understand that instruction because in those days, I had absolutely no inclination of ever pastoring this church. I was actually quite surprised the day that Brother Dave told me that I would be the next pastor. It was in 2001. Again, we were worshiping. He leans over to me and he says, it's time now. You're ready. And we're still in the middle of singing. So I, I, I said, ready for what? <laughs> and he said, you're ready to lead this church. And then he just, that was it. He, he was a man of few words, but when he said something, he meant it. I learned more in the 17 years of standing next to him and listening to him worship. You know, people can try to teach you things and they can declare themselves to be one thing or another. But when you get to hear a man worship for 17 years, 16 actually, he hasn't been here for almost a year now, but when you get to hear a man worship, you learn a lot about him. And he would be worshiping God about a foot away from my ear. And he would be crying out constantly for the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because he knew without the Holy Spirit, none of us were anything. None of us had the power. And he told me so many times, Carter, if the Holy Spirit doesn't come, church is worthless. There's no point in meeting. He said, if God's Holy Spirit ever leaves this church, let's just close the doors and move on. There's no point to meeting. And he would, most of the time, while you're singing songs, he'd have his hands in the air and he'd be saying, Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Oh, Holy Spirit, bless the people. Oh, Holy Spirit, give strength. The whole time he'd be praying. When you'd think he was singing, most often he was praying. And I learned more about the heart of Pastor David Wilkerson in those moments than anything that then. There was more there than any other thing I had an opportunity to learn and to see. David Wilkerson, a man of unlimited faith, loving husband and father, doting grandfather, friend to the outcast and hurting, fearless witness of Christ-saving power, passionate voice for God to his church, tender supporter of widows, orphans, and the poor, a spiritual father to generation upon generation, from the destitute to the powerful, from adults to teenagers, from loved ones to strangers, from every walk of life. These traits only begin to define the life of David Wilkerson. For over six decades, he served the Lord faithfully in ministry, founding and leading outreaches that have grown internationally which if with each decade. Behind it all has been an unwavering belief in God's love for every human being, and his relentless desire to reach them. Brother Dave, as he liked to be called, was known literally to millions for his unlimited faith. He believed God could change the lives of gang members and transform the most desperate drug addicts, and the Lord did. He believed a dynamic church could be launched in the heart of Times Square, New York City, and God brought it to pass. He believed he could be a man who loved his wife and children well, and he did. David Ray Wilkerson was born on May 19, 1931 in Hammond, Indiana, to a line of devoted Pentecostal preachers. After he was ordained in the Assemblies of God in 1952, 
He met and married the love of his life, Gwendolyn Carrasso, who would serve beside him in ministry for 57 years. From the very beginning, Brother Dave applied a creative, innovative spirit to ministry. In an early pastorate, he drove a car up the aisle of the church to illustrate a humorous point. Yet he preached from anguish and pain, believing that God works through our weakness. He knew that God confounds the wisdom of the world to reveal himself, and that truth was proved again and again by the ministries that Brother Dave founded. In 1958, he traveled from his small church in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania, to reach out to gang members on trial in New York City. He had never been to New York. He had certainly never met a gang member or a drug addict, according to his brother, Don Wilkerson. He just came here with his simplicity, his naivety, whatever you want to call it, and he changed people's lives. As Brother Dave's friend, McCandish Phillips, the New York Times reporter, wrote, his method was an absolute model of simplicity, directness, and non-sophistication. He just went out to the streets and mixed with the kids and reasoned with them face to face, often quoting the Bible, and it worked. Out of that bold move was born the Teen Challenge Ministry, a Christ-centered drug and alcohol rehabilitation program. The ministry became well known through the book, The Cross and the Switchblade, which has sold over 50 million copies and been translated into 30 languages. The ministry has grown to reach more than 1,000 centers in the United States and 80 other countries. The Lord then stirred Brother Dave to found Youth Crusades, his evangelistic ministry to young people. An entire generation became inspired that their lives mattered greatly to God. Brother Dave also wrote prolifically, his books inspiring generations of readers toward a life of holy devotion in Christ. The dozens of books he produced were filled with powerful insight, clarity, and conviction. He lived out the Christ-like example he wrote of, speaking continually of his own weaknesses and of Christ's faithfulness to him. Like his namesake, King David of old, Brother Dave served God's purposes in his generation. He preached with uncompromising passion and relentless grace. He was not one for fanfare, acclaim, or ceremony. He turned down invitations to meet with world leaders, yet he would give everything he owned to support a poor orphan or a widow in distress. His last mission on earth was to be an advocate for the poorest of the poor, to provide relief and support for hungry children, widows, and orphans in the U.S. and in impoverished countries. The outreach he founded to do this, Please Pass the Bread, ministers to thousands of children daily through 56 outreaches in eight countries. He ran his race well. And when he was finished, he was called home by his Lord. David Wilkerson impacted the lives of literally millions, and the God-inspired works he founded now outlive him. The impact of his life is immeasurable, not only in his preaching, writing, and founding of world-changing ministries, but in his love, devotion, compassion, and ability to stir our faith for greater works. David's son Gary offers this word to all who knew and loved his dad. I know if my father were able to encourage you with his words today, he would invite you to give your all to Jesus, to love God deeply, and to give yourself away for the needs of others. Brother Dave's final blog posting titled, When All Means Fail, is a fitting word of departure to all those whose lives he touched. Beloved, this is what he said, God has never failed to act but in goodness and love. When all means fail, his love prevails. Hold fast to your faith. 
Stand fast in his word. There is no other hope in this world. David Wilkerson's passing is deep personal loss for many. Yet we rejoice knowing he lived life to the very fullest in devoted obedience to God and with a radical love for Jesus. Hallelujah. Brother Dave opened this word, I don't know about you, but brought my mind and spirit and thinking into a dimension of God for which I am forever thankful. Through his preaching, I came into a personal freedom from areas in my heart and life that were always about a foot behind me trying to catch me. And through the preaching of the new covenant, I was brought to a place as you have of understanding that the whole Christian life is to be lived by accepting the sacrifice of God's Son for our atonement, accepting the Holy Spirit as the power of God to bring the promises of God into a reality in all of us. That it's not, I'm not accepted by my works. God doesn't even deal with me. He deals only with His Son. And if his son is speaking my name at the throne, it doesn't matter what the devil throws at you or me. We have the right to condemn that voice. We have the right to say, Satan, if you've got to get to me, you've got to go through Jesus Christ. There's no other way you can get to me. If I am in Christ for the devil to condemn me, he has to be able to condemn the son of God. And you and I have to understand that. Brother Dave brought us in to the fullness of the understanding of the new covenant. You told me many times, Carter, the new covenant is the key to not only the church of Jesus Christ standing in the last days, but the church of Jesus Christ being victorious in the last days. The new covenant is the key. Moses brought the people to a place of promise. And in Deuteronomy 34... He saw it with his own eyes, and he could describe it so wonderfully. And it's amazing, the similarity. In the latter part of Brother Dave's life and ministry, the Lord brought him into the new covenant. I remember when I first came here in 1994, he shared with me, he said, I have a promise of God that is yet to be fulfilled. And he showed me in the Psalms, he said, I will show to those who fear me, he says, I will show them my covenant. He said, God gave me that as a young minister, but I don't understand what it means. But the Lord is going to show me his covenant. And in the latter part of his ministry and life, the new covenant was unlocked. And what incredible victory it has been for all of us. I'm going to miss my friend. Till one day. You see, there's something down deep in my heart that says, come what may. (laughs) The devil can't kill me. He can't kill you without God's permission. And if God permits it, instant glory, instant glory, instant glory. 
You tell me if you would trade this. You're walking down the streets of New York and you're going on the way to the job and something takes your life and suddenly you step off uh, 8th Street and suddenly you're in glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> 